0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to The Rational Republican, a podcast where we look at complex issues facing us here in Oregon and around the nation. We'll try to address issues from a nonpartisan perspective and view our disagreements through a lens of respect rather than tribalism or divisiveness. I'm James Ball. This is Nick Perlowski. Hey, listeners, how we doing? So last time we had a pretty technical discussion about PERS, and this time I think we're going to have exactly the opposite. We're going to have just a very... uh, very chill. Ah, we'll see. All right, we're 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 uh, welcoming Xander Ahmed. Sorry, last name Almeida. Almeida. Sorry, he just told me that and I forgot. I have like thirty seconds. Ago. I know. Gosh <laughs> darn it! We're All right, right off the rails. Stupid <laughs> ethnic last names. Anyway, so <laughs> Xander was one of the very first people that reached out to us about this podcast. We've got a lot of feedback, a lot of positive, not a lot of negative, but a lot of positive feedback from people. We'll get that. And, we'll get the <laughs> negative.
1: I hope so. Well, you invited me, so (laughs) it's going to happen now. We're going down. You're welcome.
0: But Xander was one of the very first people that reached out, and he put us in touch with some other people and got us squared away on our audio equipment, and so he's been a friend of the podcast since uh, pretty much the very beginning. And so I think Xander's a really interesting guy to
1: talk to because he- (laughs) You got a lot to live up to, man. You (laughs) used to be a Democrat. Oh, no, no, no. That's actually a little bit inaccurate. You speak Green Party. You speak Green Party. Okay. So, It's um, like Democrat plus. <laughs> <laughs> sure.
0: <laughs> you moved to Portland specifically because this is a liberal haven.
1: Yeah. I, I refer to it as a liberal mecca. And liberal so, mecca. Uh, I actually wanted to move to San Francisco when I left my hometown of Santa Barbara, California, mostly because I was a big Giants fan and also because it was also a liberal mecca. And realized it was too expensive, so to I kept moving farther north, like most of us good Californians that invade this fair state. But uh, to be fair, those also 15 years ago. And so I moved here, and I was so excited to live in this very, very liberal city. And it sucked <laughs> after a while. <laughs> and I started to realize that all of this high taxation and all of this, all the promises of these Programs never amounted to anything and people were abusing them left and right. I had so many friends that referred to unemployment as fun employment (laughs) because they realized they could just go and sit for six or eight months and get a bunch of money and not do anything at all. And I went, but that's, that's not how that's supposed to work. And there was no kind of crackdown or any kind of accountability to those types of things. And I just felt like, wow, like liberalism kind of is kind of terrible. I don't think I like this anymore. And it was during the 2008 election. So four years after I'd moved here, you know, I was really interested in the uh, primaries that were coming up, and I actually listened to a lot of uh, uh, Ron Paul when he was mm. running, and I thought like, yeah, okay, like small libertarian, small L libertarian Republican, I can down with almost all of that, you know, less interventionist foreign policy and yada yada, and so I was like, okay, I think this actually might be where I am, but I didn't like the social conservatives. Uh, conservative aspects of republicanism but the fiscal aspects made a lot of sense to me and so i was really really down with those types of things and so as a show of all that uh during the summer of 2008 as i was volunteering for the portland pink pistols during pride event (laughs) i went to the Multnomah county democrat booth and registered republican (laughs) (laughs) you must have made friends that day the look on that man's face uh was not nice so. But to his credit, he did actually go and submit my voter registration, um, you know, and I definitely took down his name in case he wouldn't, but he made one of those, oh, thanks for registering to vote. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, but I don't know if you're familiar with the Pink Pistols at all, but they are. Go ahead are, and tell us about them. The Pink Pistols are a phenomenal organization. They are a uh, LGBTQ pro-Second Amendment group. They're a nationwide organization, a lot of cities and states have chapters, I think almost every state in the Union has a chapter, and some in Canada as well, and what they encourage their uh, their folks to do is to arm themselves, because their slogan is, "Armed to gays, don't get bashed.
0: <laughs> and so
1: again, as someone that uh, was socially liberal, but also pro-Second Amendment, I thought, this organization is amazing, and I do feel that more people in minority communities should go and adhere to their Second Amendment rights, especially if they feel like the police aren't going to protect them and if they feel like the community at large is against them. Yeah. And you should have every right to self defense. And and so uh, I actually learned to shoot with the pink pistols, which is hilarious. But they're the ones who uh first exposed me to uh firearms in general and uh God bless them for that. Yeah. So
0: I'm sure you get frustrated with the Republican party. Uh, we we were, we were were just talking about this before the podcast started, actually, of our frustrations with, uh, some of the keyboard warriors of the Oregon Republican party. And I've never heard that term before. That's good. Really? You've never heard keyboard warrior? Yeah. Okay. Um, but I could never, I could never go Democrat. I'll complain about it every once in a while, but I feel like I agree with about 70% of the Republican platform
1: currently. Yeah.
0: But maybe fifteen of the Democrat.
1: Sure. What? Okay. I I know you have a copy of the Oregon Republican Party platform uh, in front of you. Have you ever read the Oregon Democrat platform?
0: It's bad. Do you know how long it is? I glanced at it. It's about twice as long.
1: What? Oh, that must have changed since the last time I read it. Because last time I read it, it was a page.
0: Oh, really? Really?
1: And it and it basically said we love puppies and also kittens too, if that's your thing. And uh, rainbows are lovely, and sometimes sunsets are beautiful as well. And, and it said absolutely nothing. Interesting. And so it must have changed since last night, but, eh, about like eight years ago, nine years ago, or something like that. But last night I, I met it, it, was a one-page document that said absolutely nothing. I
0: think our, our platform needs to be one page. And this is actually something that we've discussed, Multnomah County Republicans. They've discussed that too in the Oregon Republican platform conventions that I have gone to as well. There's, there's pieces in here. There's whole sections that just need to get removed. And like foreign policy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why does a state have a foreign policy section in their platform? Like
1: i let the, let the feds deal with foreign policy. Why are we? Well, I can tell you why because I've, I've had that argument there and their comeback is, well, we do elect people to federal office as well. And I guess that means Greg Walden, but <laughs> <You're right>. who <laughs> does the ORP elect? <laughs> you know, but to, to, to have an entire entire planks of the platform flag. dedicated to greg walden as good of a congressman as he might be is absurd right.
0: oh my goodness <laughs> it, and i think he's good i think he's got enough sources for information and directions where he can go i don't yeah, think this think is so? the first bookmark on his tab that he checks
1: oh, oh no okay wow. Well. No. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the only justification i've ever heard and that they frequently give when we try to go and strip that out of the plank it's like oh my gosh immigration foreign policy a few other things in there that are basically just federal levels especially not being a border state like if we were washington state okay maybe yeah montana sure yeah california absolutely
0: but or none of those it, states
1: though it makes as much sense as indiana having one like it just doesn't right. make any sense
0: right
1: anyway without
0: getting too deep into the orp platform <laughs> Since you listeners uh don't have a copy in front of you. If you would like to though, you can go to Oregon.gop slash ORP dash platform dash two zero one seven and you can read it for yourself. It's a good read. I would recommend. It. Is it?
1: <laughs> I recommend it with lots of bourbon and Yes.
0: Drink before, during and after. That's the You will need it. That's the key. Uh
1: before for the courage, during for the, the endurance <laughs> and then after the to- To forget. To forget.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Xander, since becoming a Republican, you have actually been instrumental in amending the party platform. Yes. So are you, are you Multnomah County resident? Yes. Okay. And so you got elected as a delegate in Multnomah County? Yes. Wow. Okay. (laughs) I attempted to do the same thing. All eight of us, yeah. And failed. Um, (sighs) Yeah, it's. they learned a lesson when they left you.
1: <laughs> I'm so sorry that I just torpedoed your chances. They were kind of uh, over young upstarts being a part of mm. any amount of change that might get other young people to increase the vitality of the party.
0: Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, you were instrumental in removing some of the
1: anti-LGBT language.
0: Do you want to give us a little bit of, kind of get, tell us about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll try to give a a, a brief synopsis. Uh, So basically what happened was that me and a bunch of other younger uh, Republicans decided that we were just going to go and attack this part of the platform, Mm -hmm. that we were just going to go and just be completely organized and just do it. And these were people like uh, Brendan Monaghan, Nathan Dolan, uh, Jennifer Neiman, uh, J.D. Montgomery, christiana mayor a bunch of bunch of us we we were just like we're just going to go after this thing so we organized and we decided we're all just going to go and bum rush the family (laughs) the quote unquote family values platform (laughs) i'm going to put that in very loose quotations because and so we went to the family because you can because how it works is they have all these different uh caucuses to be a part of for all the different planks and it's all volunteer. Like, mm-hmm. three people show up for the most boring planks and they get all the changes through that they want because there's only mm-hmm. three of them. And then Family Values gets like 50. Mm-hmm. And it's just a nightmare. And so you propose things, it gets voted up, voted down, blah, blah, blah. blah. Sometimes they just vote to keep it. Fascinating process. But in this particular instance, um, we tried to go and strip out the uh, opposition to LGBT domestic partnerships. Mm-hmm. At this point, gay marriage had not been legalized yet, but it, but domestic partnership had been. Okay. And so we thought, well, we should probably get our party in line with state law. I don't know. <laughs> right.
0: Can I ask, was this a, were the, were the folks on the other side of this argument, was this an age thing? Was this a religious thing? Yes. Did you, like, just to, kind of to all of the above.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, it was very much a religious thing. It was very, uh, and mostly it was older people as well. Um, there weren't a lot of you know twenty year olds arguing against gay domestic mm-hmm. partnership in this. And so we got shot down in the caucus. Uh, we lost. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing we got through in the caucus, ironically, was to strip away the party's opposition to pornography. <laughs> which was just a thing we decided to do because we could. Uh, You know, (laughs) somebody's got
0: to make the principled argument.
1: Right. And it's like, why? Like, what's the point? Um, And and so we also got rid of their opposition to adoption by LGBT couples because that was also in there that we got rid of in the caucus itself. And, at the end, when it was ratified and it was all done, we had to go read it over. And several people went, wait, we're no longer against pornography? And I went, yeah, I guess I guess that's, <laughs> that's so. <true. laughs> Sorry we slipped that one past you. Too busy being against the gay people to realize <laughs> I took out <laughs> pornography. So <laughs> it's,
0: actually, it's actually still in there. They put it back? They might have put it back. I'm not sure. Those Under monsters. Family 6.6. It's right here. I got, I'm looking at it. Yeah. I had it circled because I knew that was something that we we're going to talk about. Okay, this is, we're, we're going through and looking yeah. at the ORP platform right now that, just for any monsters. listeners we're not going to any sites that the ah. ORP might object to <laughs>
1: <laughs> no no, it's it, it, it's funny too because we put in a anti like child sex trafficking clause because yeah. it is a huge deal up and down the right. I5 corridor in order to strip out the pornography clause because it was ridiculous yeah, and so they must have put it back in that's well what, cool. what bothers
0: me about it <laughs> is that it's it's sandwiched between human trafficking and prostitution like the <sighs> fact that those three things go together
1: is what really kind of bothers me okay yeah I'm mm, okay i'm gonna go and upset all your listeners here <laughs> I mean again nevada shouldn't be the only state in the union that has legalized prostitution it is a sex work is a legitimate job like any other legitimate job is as long as it's regulated and well maintained and people are kept safe like i don't like to me, it's no worse or harsh on your body than being a football player. For Christ's sake, like it's it's not. Um, hmm. And uh it,
0: hot take over there, yeah. hot
1: take over here. That's, and again, I'm I'm, I'm going to go and quote President Ronald Reagan here. Then they say that politics is the uh, second oldest profession on earth, and by all <laughs> and by all indications, there is a lot of resemblance to the first. So. <laughs> It's upsetting to put things like pornography, prostitution, and sex trafficking all in the same realm. Because they're very different things. Right. They're all very different things. Like, pornography is basically prostitution except that you get to experience it firsthand. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But
0: there was, I think it was like a Key and Peel skit or something like that. And the God, like, I love those guys. <laughs> everything was, it, it was like a setup and it's, it's all, it's prostitution, it's prostitution. Like, and there's a cop waiting with like handcuffs. He's like, he's just waiting. He's like, as soon as the sex happens, like, I get to arrest you. Like, this is illegal. And then at the very last minute, somebody goes and pulls out a video camera He's is like, nope, we're recording porn. This is all perfectly legal. <laughs> and that's like, yeah, there's not a lot of
1: difference between those there two things. There really isn't.
0: Um, I, and I say that like, I'm, I will admit I'm not there yet on legalizing prostitution. I do think there are other concerns to address, but I do admit that there are a lot of similarities between what you go on, you know, <laughs> you, you picked your favorite website. I'm not going right. to give our listeners any <laughs> URLs or anything like they that. But what you go online and what happens in a Nevada brothel are very similar, save for a Sony camcorder that's in the corner. Sure. Absolutely. Fair. All uh, right, changing the subject, moving on.
1: Oh, I didn't finish the story. About how we sorry. Got things oh, sorry, changed, sorry, though. go ahead, go
0: ahead. Yeah, 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 God, we got off track you got things to change? Oh, so sorry. God, stuck on
1: pornography, and now we're... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got excited, trying to change the subject. Go ahead, <laughs> Uh So, that night, we all got super drunk, because uh, we were really upset that we didn't get the one thing we actually wanted to accomplish done. And uh, later that evening, I came across, bless his heart, Alan Alley, and he asked how the caucus process went because I think he was chair. Yeah, he, he was chair at the time, and he wanted to make sure the young people were actually, you know, having their voice heard and whatnot. And I told him how frustrated we were that we couldn't get the one thing we wanted to get done uh, accomplished. And he goes, "Well, tomorrow on the floor, you can bring it to a floor vote if you want." FYI, and I went, "Huh." So I took that back to the group as we were drinking our sorrows away. And we agreed that one of us was going to go and speak up and say, we're going to bring this to a full floor vote. And so we did. Um, and it was actually Brendan Monaghan went and he stood up and he demanded that this provision that uh, struck down opposition to uh, LGBT uh, domestic partnerships be taken out. And it was the most contentious vote of the entire like so much so that like a verbal vote was not loud enough. They had to do a hand vote twice. So that we count everybody, mm-hmm. and the entire ORP leadership stood up in in favor of striking it down. Wow, nice. uh, I'd imagine I imagine Mister Alley had something to do with that. But every all, all seven of them, and it was like a I think we won by like three or four votes. So if the ORP leadership had not stood up with us, we would have lost. Wow, and uh it was very contentious. It was very joyous for. You know, those of us who are just trying to, I don't know, be inclusive and egalitarian. And we knew we couldn't strike down their opposition to gay marriage. So we didn't even try. Right. Uh, but again, we, we got what we came to accomplish done um, and, and and then some. And uh, so the first thing I did when I got home later was I went and I uh, called the Argonian and the end of the week and then Mercury and I kind of gave them a scoop and I got interviewed by several places and Bill Post got really mad at me and ranted at, about me Um on his radio show at the time. It was really funny. <laughs> Love you, Bill. <laughs> I don't think Bill listens to this. You're you're safe. Oh well, probably not. I listen to his show sometimes. Why why is he not listening to ours? I don't know. I don't Does know. he
0: have a show? I like I honestly he had I, one. I, I was gonna say I thought he, he gave one. that up. He had TBC in the office. I met Bill before, I like him. Yeah, I I've tried to, to be before. mean. <laughs> right, right now. So I'm curious to know as a as a person who is who is young millennial, what I think popular culture could I'm sorry could, what did you just call me <laughs> I mean you know I'm just going by the year that you were born brother like this isn't a this isn't Yikes. a disparaging term I'm just saying sure is. It, it is what it is well <laughs> hey tomato tomato right tomato <laughs> millennialado right oh god <laughs> I can't hear that but I but you are a you're a person who came here from California which is overregulated and high tax but it also has a good amount of minorities, a good amount of open progressive social values, you have worked to change the ORP platform in a direction that I would argue is positive. There are people who may listen to this podcast who might disagree with that, uh-huh. but what is the thing either with the ORP platform or with Republican politics and philosophies in general that you see as the as, as the next bump in the road, as the next hill to overcome, as the next thing that you're working to get after?
1: So... I will say, because, you know, radio listeners can't see this, but, uh, as, as James's inability to pronounce my last name show, <laughs> I am, uh, I'm sorry, Xander. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> I am, uh, of mixed race. My father's family is 100% Mexican. My mom's family is 100% Wasp.
0: E entiendas
1: la idioma, verdad? Absolutely not. I live in America. We've actually talked about this too, you know, off air before, about how my father's Mexican side of the family, like they didn't teach their kids Spanish because they moved to the United States In the United States you speak English. Um, and so that was not taught to my dad's side of the family at all, which, you know, there, there's something to say about, you know, assimilating to the country that you've moved to. Which is not to say that we left behind our cultures or our food or our customs or anything like that, but we kind of let the language go by the wayside for the most part.
0: Um, Well, I, I can speak to that. I, my grandfather on my father's side spoke Russian, and my grandfather on my mother's side was French Canadian, and that's I could have been born trilingual, but that's that attitude prevailed, and here I am. Just speaking in English my and language, Spanish, cultural yeah. appropriation. And <laughs> <laughs> since I, since I, when I, did speaking a second language become cultural appropriation? Uh, since okay. I just made it
1: up right now. <laughs> okay. It's absolutely not. That was okay. a, that, okay. That's the joke.
0: Yeah, um, uh, yeah I was living in El Paso for seven years. I, you no, know, that's, right. that's, yeah, that's either self-preservation, either not Spanish, cultural yeah. appropriation. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, to me, I, I actually went back uh, one night quite drunkenly and decided to go and reread most of the past, 60 years of uh, National Republican Party platform from like the 1960s to present day. Cliff's sure.
0: noted for us. What do we got?
1: Well, the fact that we used to have entire planks about incorporating Hispanic Americans into the party, hmm. which has since been nixed.
0: Who voted that?
1: Uh, it was actually post-nixon, ironically. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. You know, the fact that uh, even up until Gerald Ford's uh, days that it was very much about abortion, just saying some people are for it, some are against it. We welcome everybody uh, that has very much since been mixed out of the platform. But I mean, there was a lot of it that was much more moderated and just much more incorporating of, of people. And, you know, I, I very much believe that no matter who you are, uh, you should feel comfortable and safe in the Republican Party. And that's not the case right now. Mm-hmm. If you look at our platform, it's very uninviting to immigrants. It's very uninviting to LGBT. It's very uninviting to minority uh, people. And, again, we used to dominate the African-American vote. We used to dominate, you know, the votes of immigrants. And we used to go and welcome them with open arms. And, you know, we used to be the party that was there to fight for equality, no matter who you were. And once we lost that, uh, we started losing those demographics, which is why we stopped being as competitive, especially in urban areas. And so what I think we need to do as a party is to go back and have planks welcoming the african-american vote welcoming the hispanic vote welcoming the immigrants and welcoming the refugees i think i've said this in the podcast before but i've definitely said it in in real
0: life is it's it's super important to try to look at these policies from someone else's point of view uh it's very easy to sit back as you know white male american and look at these policies and be like oh it's about immigration or oh it's about traditional marriage but put yourself in the shoes of one of those disaffected groups and that's one of the reasons that we in our gay rights episode we we just kind of let ernie talk because he's a he's a human being and the platform is written
1: in such a way that we don't want his vote it disenfranchises him and it makes his struggle seem less relevant exactly and i and his story was so compelling by the way thank you for having him on He's, that a, was he's a great beautiful, guest. Beautiful and I loved hearing his his story and his struggles were heartbreaking. Yeah. And we yep. should be sympathetic to that. We could have had him on for like 5 <laughs> episodes. Like that he had so
0: much to talk about. He had so much I think to teach by example just the the life that he's lived. But I the fight for those marginalized groups that you had just mentioned that we as the GOP used to welcome with open arms and that we do not anymore, do you think, re, you know, picking back up those arms and reengaging in that fight, do you think that's conservative?
1: Absolutely. Why is that? Well, because to me, conservatism has always been about creating an equal level playing field for everybody. And it's been about being able to make sure that people keep what they earn and that they are treated uh, fairly all across the board. And you can't do that if you're going to go and decide that this whole group of people are not winners and that you're going to go and disenfranchise them, to me, it's not just unconservative, it's un-American. And again, this party was founded upon egalitarianism and was founded upon incorporating those that have been literally uh, in bondage. And so the fact that we are now currently basically wanting to shove the Statue of Liberty into the ocean right now.
0: So much for your tired and your poor.
1: Your poor huddled masses yearning for freedom. Yeah, we'll apparently screw those guys now.
0: Yeah. And That's, it's, and, I, well, and, I, and I, I could not agree more. I think you are absolutely right. And that that is if, if this isn't the thing that we stand for as a party, then what the heck are we doing out here, man?
1: You know, to me, when people say there's not enough room in this country, I would remind people that Japan has a population, a third of that of the United States in a landmass, a third of the size of California. i'll say as somebody let's just roll that around for a second in our heads like (laughs) just a little plenty of room here for people self high five for nick but i've i've (laughs)
0: been to every all all 50 of our states and i we just we just drove through california last week i we drove we drove from portland down to palm springs 17 hours and i man i'll tell you there's plenty of room just you go right off the i-5 corridor in central california there's plenty of room. I we've done we did a drive to North Dakota last summer. There's plenty of room out in eastern Montana. You got plenty of room there. I drove between El Paso and Austin when I was in undergrad all the time. There's a ton of room there. If yeah, that's if that's if that is the argument, that's the best argument that the, the National GOP can come <laughs> up with is there's no room. You come call me. I'll I you will I'll show you the room. I'll show, there's
1: plenty of room. There was also a great bit that, uh, Bill Maher just, uh, had on his last episode too about they're taking our jobs. And his response was, yeah, I remember all the times I've driven past those lettuce fields wishing, boy, I could have, wish I could have that job right now. (laughs) So my, so my children could also be lettuce pickers. Like that's not the case (laughs) of what's happening for the most, for most of the immigrants in this country. And what irritates me so much about most of these people of, you know, Caucasian descent is that. Probably their grandparents came here, great great grandparents or whatever, came here as refugees because of the potato blight in Ireland or whether they were fleeing, you know, violence during World War I uh, in Europe or any or in other instances that brought them to this country. And you know what? Not all of them came here legally. Or if they did, it was because the system was way easier. The fact that they want to make it more complex now and say, well, my great, great, greats did it the right way? I'm like, well, it was different like just acknowledge that for a second
0: yeah that's uh we're we are we complain about government regulation and red tape all the time why don't we work on that on immigration that's if if there's a yeah. yeah like that's i don't want to keep i don't want to bring terrorists in either or anything like that but <laughs>
1: no there, one does yeah. that's a dumb <laughs> argument that there's they keep a, saying yeah, there's no one does who
0: want to be american like it's great here i don't know if you've been here but it's amazing I... and everybody wants to do it yeah, I, I remember in business school, I went with a couple people from, from China, from all over the world, but one in particular stands out from China. He wanted to stay in the U.S. He was highly educated, getting his MBA in the U- University of Oregon and was applying for jobs and missed out on the visa lottery and had to go back to China. So here we have this, this guy who's going to add a ton of value He's going to you know, probably create jobs because he's one of the smartest guys in the class and uh, went back to China because he couldn't get a visa. I mean, that's just an example of we're shooting ourselves in the foot with our immigration policy. We mm-hmm. shoot ourselves in the foot with a lot of different policies. <laughs> Let's be honest. That's fair. <laughs>
1: no, we do. And I think that one of the best plans I'd ever heard to fix the whole system that we had uh, was one that President George W. Bush supported one that was co-written by Senator John McCain and Senator uh, Kennedy. And it was the uh, Z visa program that they had developed. And the whole idea was to create a whole system of fairness, was to go and blanket everyone who was here illegally with a Z visa, which meant they had to register with the U.S. government mm-hmm. to know who they were, where they were from, and they would be given a Z visa. And it put them on the very end of the line for uh, naturalization and legalized citizenship. They had to pay a $5,000 fine uh, when they could as like a back taxes kind of thing. And if they committed a crime, they'd be deported. But if they didn't and they kept doing, uh, now that they were registered with the government and paying their taxes and committed no crimes, and when their time came up, they could be eligible for uh, naturalization and legalization. Hmm. And the whole system was basically to go and say, well, we're not going to give you a jump start in the line, which is, you know, 15, 20 years long. But we're going to register you. We're going to know who you are. And we're just going to keep you in our view. And if you want to keep being Americans, great. It'll happen eventually. I think it's
0: a great idea. I think we absolutely, there's, there's 11 or 12 million people in the United States Mm -hmm. illegally and that we don't know about. Yeah. You can't, you can't probably more than that, honestly. Yeah. Well, yeah, 11 to 12. It's as high as 20, but
1: still it's a lot. Yeah.
0: Regardless, it is. Neither practical nor moral to exactly to to try to deport these all these people. Like you couldn't if you wanted to, much less if it's the right thing to do.
1: People like to throw around the term compassionate conservatism. Mm -hmm. Being compassionate and a good Christian, if that's who these people want to proclaim to be, would be to give these people shelter and to give them a safe place to be.
0: Yep. Not excuse the fact that they're breaking the law, but like you said, some sort of a, a governmental. Visa to basically say, okay, now you're here, you have a, a legal status, and I could I could rant about this for a while, but <laughs> as if we haven't already we have a podcast. Um, but it's it's the, the one of the other problems that doesn't really get talked about quite as much with illegal immigration is that these people are then afraid to go to the United to the to the police. You know, it encourages yes. things like sex trafficking, and well, sex trafficking is, is the big one because. These people are afraid of getting deported, and so they're being abused. They're being taken advantage of, and that's one of the reasons that Oregon is a sanctuary state to allow those people to say, "Hey, if you're only if the only thing you're here for the only you've crime done, you've committed you, is, is that you're here illegally, we're not going to deport you." And you know, this is me going against the party, but I'm I'm okay with it. The I part, think the party's done, done this is. before. This yeah, is completely new ground. Yeah, I've never gone it. against
1: the party before. It's one of those things that uh, a lot of Republicans have railed against the concept of a sanctuary state. And if they listen to law enforcement, which they say that they proclaim to do, most law enforcements agree with the concept of having a sanctuary state because of the fact that they're not INS, they're not ICE, and their job is to keep their communities safe. And to keep communities safe, you need people to feel safe to come to the police when a crime has been committed against you or against someone else in which you are a witness to in order to make sure that you able to and comfortable enough to go and go to the authorities about it. And you can't do that if you feel like you're gonna get deported and your family's going to be torn apart for it, which is why cops agree for the most part with sanctuary states. Yeah,
0: I, I agree. And if we didn't have this large population of, of illegal immigrants, there would, would be no be there, would, to be there would be not be a problem. But I think you need to address address this huge population of illegal immigrants and get them some sort of legal status so they're not afraid of being deported. First, and then you get rid of the sanctuary state law. Because yeah. in principle, I don't like it, but it's just we're Agreed. in the, we're in this
1: this space where it's it's unavoidable. It's it's necessary. It's ne it's necessary for safety, and that's kind of a messed up thing when you think about it. Yeah. It's necessary for safety to give asylum to people that have broken the law, because <laughs> that's what it is right now. And again, we we have created this mess. We're this is of our own design and of our own doing. It is a mixture of. Uh, the fact that we have continuously not wanted to solve the issue um, on our on our own, mostly southern border, some northern border stuff as well, and it's also the issue of the fact that we have continuously for decades meddled in the affairs of uh, of Central America and South America and Mexico, and have consistently caused destabilizations of their regions. Mm-hmm. And when you do that with your foreign policy, this is the consequences that you reap.
0: Mm-hmm. And we just. The president just decided to cut off aid to three Mexican countries. Is- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I <saw that>. yeah. <laughs> countries of Mex, eh, and oh, Co. Geez. I think that- <laughs> I think that was a, that was a Fox <laughs> News gaffe. I mean, we can't blame that, that one on was, Trump. That was a Fox. No, news. but it was, was still was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but but seriously, so I I maybe I missed it, but I don't believe I heard an answer to the question. If what is the one thing that is most problematic for you as a a young person of more than one culture of a state who is high taxed, high regulation. What is the one thing that you would like to see changed in the GOP, either the platform itself or the philosophies in general?
1: Uh, okay, I, I I thought I went over this a little bit, but just just inclusion, just um, inclusion. okay, uh, inclusion would be nice again to have in in our mm-hmm. party, just welcoming people. Um, I even mean, I don't know, have you guys ever been to the platform convention? It is like ninety nine percent white. Yeah. I have not. Um, I, went I I, to
0: the I had R P meeting for to uh, uh, elect new officers, and that was also ninety eight percent white.
1: I had to go and tell people to stop using the term anchor baby during one of the immigration planks because, and their the reasoning was, why should I do that? That's what they are. Uh, now, the wh- reason that hit me personally was my grandfather, my Mexican grandfather, would be considered a quote unquote anchor baby by these people. Uh, and he was a paratrooper in the 101st Airborne Division in World War II and helped defeat Nazi Germany in D-Day, in Market Garden, in Bastogne, liberating concentration camps as an anchor baby. You know, so the whole notion that these are garbage people is just so revolting to me. And the fact that that is how so many of these people think is why you don't get a lot of Hispanics voting for you, for instance.
0: Or minorities of any of any, or, type. of
1: any type, yeah. You know, but it, being half Mexican personally, like it, it just it hits such a raw nerve. And you know, just having this kind of vile language towards people south of the border, which let's be honest, there's a lot of that. The president's most responsible for for that and propagating that and allowing that, and not and, and just doubling down on it every single time. You can't win elections in this country for much longer on the exclusion platform excluding lgbt excluding hispanics excluding african americans excluding good swaths of women like yeah. um,
0: something tells me donald trump wasn't playing the long game with oh absolutely his, like, the not philosophy but
1: absolutely not yeah. but you know the party the needs to be bigger be. than him yeah and it has to be bigger than him or or, or else we're just going to go and continue continue to lose and as james was saying well. earlier that's why I can never be a Democrat is I agree with maybe 20% of their platform compared to the 70 or 80% that I agree with the Republican platform. But that 20% I disagree with, I really, really disagree with. And it's really <laughs> hurting, you know, like it's it's hurting more and more every year that they keep doubling down on, on racial and identity politics to keep trying to defend it, you know? And yeah. so, you know, if we don't turn this around and if we don't turn this around soon, we're going to lose a whole generation, and when you start losing a whole generation or two, like that, that's how parties die. Yeah, and and there's no other viable party that can you know fight for fiscal conservatism, you know, or that shining city on the hill, or for you know uh, America's moral leadership in the world. The Democrats sure as hell ain't going to do that.
0: What do you think if you are a if you are a person who's a, a, a centrist, maybe a right leaning person, maybe you're a socially moderate fiscally conservative person. If you're listening to this episode, what is what's a step that you take? What where's a way that you get involved?
1: Well, uh kind of as I started to do when I first got involved in this party was you start showing up to meetings, but you don't just show up to meetings by yourself, you bring your friends who are like-minded because that's how things actually happen and start to change is the whole reason we got things to change on the uh, ORP platform was that it wasn't just me that showed up it was like 10 of our friends and those 10 friends were very, very uh, vigorous fighters and you know if if you show up with 10, 20, 30 people to some of these meetings, you can just change everything because you have a number of people all of a sudden real fast.
0: And that's a really good point. Um, if you are a consider yourself a, a centrist Republican that you you listen to this podcast, you agree with what we're saying, you think we got good ideas, you appreciate this, please email me, james at jamesaball.com. And I have paperwork to send you to make you a precinct committee person.
1: Mm-hmm. You do
0: that. Even in Multnomah County, the most populous county in the state, only about 40 people show up to meetings. You get that many people who agree, who think like us, and all of a sudden you change things. That's how you do it. That's so, what did. He exactly. On the podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's Call right. Us, we'll you, put you on the podcast. You too could be in this hot seat. <laughs> uh, how, how good is the bourbon that you're drinking right now?
1: Uh, it is quite excellent. Um, oh, you can it, drink James's good bourbon. <laughs> it 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 tastes like a mixture of freedom um, with a hint of uh, eagle feather. Nice.
0: That is the best bourbon. Nice.
1: <laughs> uh, that is. Was is it Evan Williams?
0: Yes, Elijah Craig, Elijah, Elijah Craig. Gosh, Craig, Elijah Craig, barrel strings. They yeah, don't, I don't even know my own stuff. They don't stuff. pay us to advertise, but they might. I know. Hint, hint. Elijah Craig, people who are listening.
1: All right. So Elijah one more Craig, thing. If you're looking to sponsor a podcast, <laughs> <laughs> we have
0: zero sponsors. Please, please call us. So the last thing we're going to talk about, just real quick. So we we consider ourselves rational Republicans, and I've talked about that a couple of times, but in this particular case. Just because someone has an R next to their name does not mean that they are going to get my vote. I don't know about you guys, but the Republican Party and the Democrat Party, for that matter, all you have to do to join this party is tick a box on your form. Mm-hmm. That's it. So, any knucklehead of <coughs> with any viewpoint, I mean, you can have racists, you can have what pedophiles. That guy
1: from Illinois that... Anyways... It, uh, you
0: you can have any sort of terrible person <laughs> join the Republican Party, and there's there's nobody checking IDs. There's nobody making. I'm sorry, that's there was, that's a that, that's a different knucklehead that you were talking about. Oh, well, I remember who you were talking about, and
1: yeah, I'm guy, not going to name his out. name because he he's was a... A
0: Klansman. He was a straight up Klansman.
1: yeah, and neo-Nazi,
0: which was just a corrupt knucklehead. Yeah, yeah. from from, that in from the other party. Yeah. So anyway, who is your favorite?
1: democrat for president so uh right now my favorite is definitely john hickenlooper Mm. uh he's the first democrat since i turned republican that i actually sent a little bit of money to (laughs) (laughs) uh and i don't care who that offends um you know he is he doesn't like to call himself this, but he is a centrist. He's a moderate, uh, and I appreciate that about him. Uh, he, he's a capitalist that, you know, saw uh, he, he saw an opening to go and make good beer and make good food uh, in, a, in, a, a, in, a, in a downtrodden neighborhood and, like, reinvigorated all of that. Uh, he's a scientist, which, you know, I think we should have more scientists in politics. Um, more
0: than the three that we've gotten now.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, he... The fact that he just likes to be practical mm-hmm. <laughs> and not just and the fact that he likes to be nice, the fact that he's self deprecating, I mm-hmm. think is a really nice nice trait. Uh he makes fun of his own himself all the time. Uh, and I appreciate that in somebody because it shows humility. And I think you should be a little bit humble if you're trying to go and get the most powerful position on earth. Uh, I also
0: wrote like a complete expose on like his love life and ex girlfriends and everything. So like Whatever, whatever dirt there is, like he just dug it up himself. Like he's here. You go. Yeah, he's he's good to go. I for me, the the Democrat that I most at least think has the best chance to win the nomination. I, I straight up, I think is Beto. I think is Beto.
1: Boring. Beto is
0: the opposite of boring. Bet, Beto from El Paso. For our listeners is a yeah. He's a three-term congressman from El Paso. He was a city councilor before that. And he he ran against Ted Cruz to quite a lot of fanfare in 2018, and he <laughs> lost the race, but he he basically he drew Ted Cruz to a draw. There, there was a I think Ted Cruz won that race by a point and a half or right. something like that, something very close in a in Texas, where again I lived for ten years. I lived in Beto's <laughs> district for seven of those years. It's a red state. I about three weeks ago sent out the. The Rational Republicans Facebook page. Too, I, you, you can just click one button and it sends us to all your Facebook friends. And within forty-five seconds, my high school girlfriend, also from El Paso, to whom I don't talk, like we're not, <laughs> we're not, like, we're not like bros or anything. She she messaged me on Facebook. And she was like, "You going to talk about that on the podcast?" And I was like, "I straight up like I probably am. Like he <laughs> is a he is a genius at garnering media for himself." Oh, I don't disagree
1: much, with I that at all. He's just boring.
0: I'd, 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 have you seen how much he gesticulates when he gives speeches? How can you call that guy boring? He eats a Whataburger and skateboards.
1: Yeah, he doesn't stand for anything. He's just a boring candidate. He's very charismatic. Yeah, that's I, and that's it. That's
0: that is all you need to win the president. I, I, this is again. This is who I think has the the best shot to make a deep run.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. but that's not inter- interesting to me. Who do you like? Is what I believe James's question I, was. I'm
0: gonna go. So I'm gonna jump in here. No, no, no. Make Nick answer the question. Pete Buttigieg. Oh? <laughs> seven languages. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. State, all right. And
1: yeah, we, I could go on. About that's that. a better answer. Thank you. Okay. <laughs>
0: So I'm gonna be the uh, the data guy, and I actually looked them all up on on theissues.com, I believe. .com, yeah, yeah. Good on, website. On the issues. Anyway, it's great. Hickenlooper is the only moderate in that whole group. Uh huh. And you can look at where he stands on certain issues, and he is a solid centrist. Yes. Uh, he has a very small chance of winning the nomination. Well, everybody but, has a small chance of yes, winning the nomination. Yeah, it's except 17, except 17. Biden. But uh <laughs> Beto, I, I want to like Beto. But if you look at where he stands, he's a solid Democrat. He's, no. he's, uh, go look it up. Go also look boring. Up. No, I, if, <laughs> if I were to show you his little, because they got a little triangle or not a triangle, but a square diamond shape. And it shows where people are. If I showed you his next to Kamala Harris, you could not tell him. I, my, I have a bracket that's a hopefully about to win. That's, I literally call my bracket the moderate. But so I've moderate had this, I've is. had this argument with another Oregon GOP operative. And he is a, he voted much farther to the right of where his district is. He could have gotten away with a lot more right or left leaning votes. And I think he ran to the left because he tried to run against Ted Cruz and he tried to win a lot of California money and New York money. And he did. And he got that very successfully. But I, I think Beto is more moderate than he is getting. You think so? I will go on record, I guess, and say that I voted for Hillary in 2016 and i have hot take i hot have take. voted hot right. take i know so yeah. i before that i had voted third party i had written in and i would voted republican i'd never voted democrat before 2016 and my rationale in my mind was she had a republican congress and she wasn't charismatic or good enough to get anything done we would have four years of stalemate reset start over oh. that was my thought process when i was voting for hillary that is quite rational
1: that I is am, shockingly rational. <laughs> I
0: am more hesitant this time around to vote Democrat because I'm convinced they're gonna have both houses of Congress. And I have seen what a Democrat trifecta has done in Oregon, and I'm not interested in seeing what happens at a federal level. So I would not dispute anything. I'm not I'm not a Trump fan, but I don't know. I haven't decided how I'm gonna vote a couple of years from now.
1: Do you think that for more years of Trump, though? Would that not do more damage to our party on a whole, considering his, you know, just death grip on everything Republican right now? Do you not think that that might be the death nil it might of be. this party if he gets elected for four more years?
0: It might be. I don't know.
1: And would that know. not be more damaging That's to this country overall than having a Democratic rule for four years? I don't know.
0: I guess we'll find out four years from now. <laughs> And on that note, I think that's a, that's a good place to end it. Um, thank you for listening, listeners. Uh, you can find us on your favorite podcasting service. Just search the rational Republican. You can find us at JamesA ball.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And we'll see you next time.